When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to System Mastery, the podcast where we beat a dead, horizontal, four-legged, herbivorous, hoofed quadruped with no fine manipulators 1D damage at a time. On today's episode, we're getting general, we're getting universal, and we're also getting ERPS, because it's the Steve Jackson Games classic, GURPS. How long does it take to make characters? So long! On System Mastery! Everybody, welcome back to System Mastery, the podcast, where that's the intro, and I'm Jeff, and that's John. Hey, hey, how you doing? Hey, I'm sorry, fine. I got distracted briefly because there's someone's out there bass thumping. <laughs> someone's, someone's out there thumping bass. Yeah, they they got they got a thumping situation, and they aren't going away, which suggests to me it's either a really long long red light, or they decided to park and listen to what I have to assume sounds completely awful inside that car. Yeah, I've never understood the like, oh man, I need to crank the bass on this. I'm like, really? Yeah, I don't get, I, I, probably just because I've never, to my knowledge, sat in a car that is that annoying to the neighborhood. Uh, like, I know I've been in a few cars where someone turned up the stereo, but never like telling me that they spent a, a shitload of money on on uh, stereo equipment from some car magazine and everything's got like a chain link grate and they know the wattage of their subwoofers and shit like that. Yeah. I've never I've never been in one of those. So I don't, I, I just kind of envision that they sound like hell inside. I mean, given that being near one, I'm like, I can't for the life of me be able to tell you anything about this outside of what the beat currently is. And being inside the car, I'm like, that's just got to sound like... Burf, burf, burf. Yeah, you know, there's no way that they've also turned up the mid-range and treble to match that shit. They just want that bass boost. And so you can't hear anything. It's your thud, thud, thud. And I don't know, I, I assume they're trying to attract sandworms or something. Probably. My favorite is when there's no bass line to it at all, and it's just one long, continuous tone that you can hear. Is if there's like a jet taking off forever somewhere really far away. <laughs> it just sounds like... The fuck are you listening to? What is that? Why they're listening to System Mastery. <laughs> if you if you crank hear something that, that sounds like dur, <laughs> that's us. Then crank that bass. <laughs> crank it. Yeah. So uh, how you doing? I'm doing fine. Things over here are good. Yeah, we got some new chairs that are much more comfortable for our our it's our, true. our uh, elderly backs and butts. <laughs> My elderly back and butt. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But those uh. Our previous computer chairs served a purpose for a time, which was that they needed to be cheap enough that I could afford to buy all the office stuff at once. Yeah. And now I recently got a royalty check, and it was time to get some actual non-ass-destroying chairs. Uh, chairs out here. Yeah, as as a gentleman of a certain gravity, mm -hmm. I appreciate a chair that's like, ah, this was built to hold you. Yes, yeah. Th this time, I mean, last time I also did make sure to hit your your weight in the weight limit of the chairs, but it was... Exactly there. Yeah. And those chairs are like bare bones. Where these things are, oh, these are glorious. 
I'm I'm at the point now, thanks to all of my various diseases and treatments, that I can shop in the regular chair part of the store, uh, and yet I don't want to because these these ones here that are built for people of greater magnitude even than you um, are just oh it, you need they're it. just a cloud. You gotta as someone that worked oddly enough specifically in office furniture and chairs for a while. Mm-hmm. It's definitely a thing where I'm like I don't really care who you are that's get funny a, right there get an especially like decent office chair because if you're like oh i'm gonna buy one that's 50 dollars, that sucks and you'll hate to sit there and it will ruin you yes if you buy like a 200 dollars one and it's made for the fattest man that's ever existed you're gonna love it because it'll be like sitting in a fucking throne yeah. you're gonna go oh this is this is amazing this is everything i ever wanted it to be and you're like exactly because it's built to support people. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I, the only I, complaint I could possibly register about these is that they're really built for very wide people. And so the armrests are a little too far out. Luckily, I do have them ape hanger shoulders. And so they kind of work. Oh, so I'll be okay. I love that. I had my favorite chair ever was basically like that. We're like, oh, I'm I feel like I'm sitting in the captain's seat on the Enterprise. Like the armrests are far <laughs> enough apart that I feel like I should be like, yes, bring us out. Number one. <laughs> And get into this chair from the back so you don't rip your suit and hurt your back. <laughs> uh, They'll call it the Rika maneuver. What a chode. <laughs> oh, come on. They're friends. There's no way the Riker doesn't hang out in Picard's cabin after hours and spin tales of the sexings he's had. Oh, for sure. Yeah. But they're friends, so he definitely out loud is like, come here, number one. You chode. <laughs> Computer, make a note that Riker is a chode. Uh, Captain's log, supplemental. Riker, what's a chode? I'm doing it right here in the <laughs> on the bridge. Uh, and of course, then when he's in the holodeck, he's like, "Computer, end program." I'm sorry, I do not understand. <sighs> Computer and chode, Graham. <laughs> Ha ha ha! I made it do that. <laughs> you also have to disable the safeties. <laughs> All right. Uh, we're doing GURPS, so we don't have a lot of time for this kind of low shenanigan. Uh, we got to get to talking about the, I mean, at least the, a little bit of the history of what this is. We're going to be doing the current edition of GURPS, fourth edition GURPS. Yeah. Uh, which, you know, just, just to set aside any, any uh, misgivings that that's too recent, this is from 2006. They haven't updated in a bit. Oh, yeah. This is almost 20 years old, and even then, 4th edition is just 3rd edition, but they put more stuff in the main book. Like, yeah. they did not change much no. when it came to these editions. And, I mean, that's a storied history, given that the first two editions were like, we put out GURPS. A year later, we put out GURPS again. Yeah. And then a year after that, we put out GURPS again. Yes. And then we let it ride for 30 years. <laughs> yeah. And then we put out GURPS again. So the first appearance of GURPS, the, the initial GURPS, was 1985. Uh, and th there's a lot of historical significance to this. This is a Steve Jackson game. Uh, while it is not officially the first kind of general universal do-everything role-playing game, it is the first one to achieve, like, real commercial success. Oh, yeah. I uh, mean, th if you ask someone about, like, oh, what's a universal game to play anything in 
most people are going to think of GURPS. Yeah, yeah. Or D&D because you're an asshole. Yeah, like the only things that really beat it to the punch, there's probably some indie or small game press games that we don't know about, but Chaosium had uh, basic role-playing or something like that, and I think uh, Hero System predates it as well. Yeah, so they, I mean, the idea of make a system that can do whatever genre wasn't, you know, unique to GURPS. Yeah. But it definitely, GURPS is the one that, took off the most yes and it's also this is all in the forward by the way uh the forwards uh, steve jackson i have to assume it's just a, i mean there's a little bit towards the end that's like hey here's why we did a fourth edition and what you'll find that's different about it but for the most part it's just explaining why there's gurps he was like oh man in the late 70s and early 80s tsr had D&D, Boot Hill, Gamma World, Indiana Jones, Star Frontiers, and every one of them had its own bespoke rule system. You had to learn each one of these rule systems. And I was like, that's crazy. I want to have one use case for every possible game. Yeah, I want to go ahead and only have one way to interact with anything ever. Mm-hmm. And uh, that way it could be a universal game system to the point where you could... Oh, and there's a part of the forward where he tells you about how GURPS is super great because it's easy to learn because it uses the common measurement systems that people are familiar with. So instead of using such weird ideas as squares or units of measurement or whatever, it uses feet and miles and pounds and inches and Fahrenheit. It uses all the imperial measurements you've come to love or the, the metric ones if you want to run the conversion rate it has in there. Yeah. Um, which, you know, is interesting that, that, that there's this kind of claim that, hey, this is the simplest system because... On one hand, that's kind of true. GURPS has pretty much one unifying mechanic for almost every roll you'll ever have to make. Oh, yeah. Roll 3d6 and get under the value that you, you knew you were rolling under in the first place. Yeah, the the game itself uh, is split up into two books. So we're only doing the first book right now, which basically deals with character creation. There is an entire other book that deals with rules. Yeah. And we're off the hook. We can't tell you about the combat system. I mean, the combat system is in this game. Oh, shoot. There is a part at the back where they're like, here's combat light. Yeah. Here's the version of this that is easy. Yes. And even before that, at the beginning of the book, they're like, look, this is simple. It's just 3d6 roll under whatever number you're trying to get. Yeah. You know, meet it or under it. Yeah. And for the most part, that's true. But then also... There are a million supplements that came out for 3rd yes. edition, and then 4th edition took at least a half dozen of those supplements and crammed them into the main book. Yes. So the basic idea is still there, but this game is made out of modular parts yes. of just, did you want this? You can. Yeah. Did you want this? Sure. Did you want everything? That's unfortunate, but go ahead. Yes. It's uh, it's just a million different tiny parts making up a single, more of a toolkit than a game. This is really, you know, rather than considering this an RPG, I would consider this more like an RPG maker, like that that kind of game building thing you can buy on Steam to build 16-bit looking RPGs. Yeah. Uh, it's more parts than it is just a game, uh, because before you can really play it, someone, probably the GM, has to go over this whole book with a fine-tooth comb and determine what things they do and don't want. Now, there are categories of things. So, you know, you can say, like, oh, I'm not going to... This is a mundane game. I don't want the supernatural stuff. But also, a lot of the non-supernatural stuff is still kind of over the top. It's too cinematic for my mundane game. So those are also off the table. Um, so there's a lot of decisions that need to be made before play could even start. It really is just a big collection. 
I mean, ultimately, I guess you could argue that all role-playing games are that, because you can always cho- pick and choose what's in there that you want. But the difference is that most of them have a thrust, like well, a thing you're supposed to do. I mean, most other games are like, yes, technically you can exclude or include anything you want. Yeah. But this game is about doing that. Yeah. This whole game is like, no, you decide what exists within your world. If there's a certain set of skills that you think should or shouldn't exist, then they can. And the whole idea is it shouldn't change your game unless you want it to be there. Yeah. So, you know, if they've got a whole thing in here about like magic and if you go, I don't want magic in my game, then you never have to worry about it and it just doesn't exist. Yeah. And other games, if they were like, we have magic, that's usually a core part of the game. Yeah. And you have to include it in the game. Yeah, using speaking. the old universal baseline D&D. You, technically, there are supplements that are like, hey, don't use the magic system. Or at least there have been for previous editions. Oh, sure. There yeah. are definitely like modules or supplements that are like, we only use martial characters because yeah. this is a world that doesn't have magic. I mean, there was an entire, I think, green book or red book in second edition that was based on the Mask of the Red Death story. Where you played as people experiencing it. It was like, yeah, you can't make wizards in this or someone's just going to like cure the plague real quick. Oh, yeah. If you're like, oh, I'm a cleric yeah. and I cast cure disease. <laughs> oh, damn it. So so it has happened. But here, that's that's kind of the core element. Um, it's just funny to me that, that it starts out with this bold claim that this is designed to simplify and universalize all role playing. And it's going to be so easy. And then you realize shortly thereafter that this is 340 pages. That is just character creation because it is just lists. Yeah. And uh, it's not simple. Like, John said something pretty early on when we were reading it, that this is the edition of GURPS designed for people who already knew they wanted to play GURPS. Yeah. You got fourth edition because you wanted to consolidate books. Yeah. You're like, oh, I already have various supplements. I know I like GURPS. GURPS is what I want to play. Yes. GURPS is all I can draw. (laughs) Because if you are especially a new player and you open up the book that's like, hey, here's the character book. This is generally the one that you're going to want to have as a player. Yeah. And you flip this open and you see the literally 275 skills Mm -hmm. that are in here. And that's just one part of one section of the lists in this. Yeah, and even a second look at it will tell you that 275 is like the minimum amount of skills in this book. There's actually more depending on how you read it. Yeah, because there's 275 that are specifically named, and then within those there are certain skills that are like, oh, you have to break this down, but you decide how to do it. So while some are like, oh, there are melee skills, but each weapon is its own skill... Those at least get named in the 275. Some of them are like, oh, you know biology, but you need to break that down into like macrobiology, yeah. microbiology, plant biology. <laughs> I like that games is literally pick a game Yeah, in the skill section. You don't get, it's not just you're pretty good at games, like, you know, board games or something. No, it's, you know, Parcheesi. <laughs> Baby, you're so good at a game. <laughs> Yeah, the book kind of abandons, it starts out with this whole, like, you're going to enjoy this because it's simplified and and easy to pick up and play, but then the very first stat you read about, the game has four core stats, strength, dexterity, uh, IQ or intelligence, and health, but if you start reading the strength section, it's like, 
Hey, lifting capacity is proportional to the square of ST. Compared to average human adult, ST10 minus 10 times 10 equals 100. ST14 is about twice as strong. 14 times 14 equals 196. And you're like, oh no, oh no, this is so many parentheses and brackets. I have gotten lost in mathematic land. It's weird to me that this is a game that very clearly wants to be simple. Yes. Because every time it talks about something, you're like, it couldn't be easier. Look, you're going to have some points. You're going to buy some skills. The points have costs. It's fine. You'll make a guy, your your DM will tell you how many points you have. Couldn't be easier. Anyway, the square of your strength, and you're like, oh, <laughs> god damn it. Also, all the point calculations that you purchase for various like abilities or uh, advantages or disadvantages can all be modified with limitations or, or modifiers that inc- increase or decrease their capability. And they, that, they do so via percentage modif- modding them. So you'll do things like, well, this costs 25 uh, points, but also if you would like it to be universal, it could be plus 80% to that minus 20% for a different reason, plus 5% for a third reason. Yeah. If you're like, oh, well, it takes a concentration to start up my ability. So that's a minus 30% to its cost, but it does affect immaterial people. So that's going to be a plus 30% to the cost. And you end up with this ability that ends up being like, all right, well, it was 20, but now I have to do a bunch of percentage math and figure out how much it is. And there is a lot of things in this game that will end up giving you a remainder. Yeah. And the... The rounding system. The rounding system in this, while they call it out individually for like, for this, do this, for this, do this, the actual rule of thumb is, if it is bad for the player, that is how you round. Yes. If it would be... Cheaper for you to purchase it by rounding down, you round up. If it would give you a better stat by rounding up, you round down. Yes. So all of the rounding in this is anti-player. Uh-huh. And Which is not, you know, it's not terrible. They've got a math system they put in place, but it doesn't feel good. And it's not an early, especially in a book that's all about character creation that's very player-facing, having them be like, hey, there are two kinds of rounding in this game. The kind that fucks you over and the kind that you don't like. And the the problem is, there's so much in this game that is weird, perverse incentives for the player while making a character yeah. to be even more granular and into the math. Cause you're like, Oh, well, what is this going to do? Well, if I do this modifier and this, whatever, then this now costs 6.8, which means it's going to cost seven. Is there a way I can get to seven? Yes. Can I get to seven point something? So it'll, or seven, not point something, but just to straight seven. Yeah, how can I change the modifiers or the limitations so that I can get to an actual whole number? Because if I'm on a percentage that gets me to a partial number, I'm going to end up paying more. So I may as well try and get it to the full number. Yeah. Well, let's get started in character creation. Uh, the game, as I mentioned earlier, has those four stats. They all start automatically at 10. And you gain or lose points from a point by amount of points you are given by the the uh, GM at the start of the game by raising or lowering those stats. Uh, so, for example, two of them cost 10 points to raise or lower. Those are strength and uh, dexterity. Health? health? No, I think it's strength and... Strength and health. It's strength and health, okay. Because dexterity oh, and yeah, IQ d- affect the most skills. Yeah, that's true, yeah. So, so strength and health cost 10 points each to either raise or lower. And uh, dexterity and intel- IQ or intelligence cost 20 points each to either raise or lower. Yes. And... Uh, there is no like, oh, if you get into a higher thing, it starts costing more, or if you get lower, you get more points. It is just every level that you raise or lower is the exact same plus or minus 10 or 20. Uh And there is always 
caveats for everything because they're like, all right, the limitation is like if you're a human, you can basically assume that a 15 or 16 is going to be the max a human will ever have in a stat. Now, you might have that increased because you're playing in a game and you want, you know, your uh, GM is like, well, I want certain things for people to be greater than they would. Or maybe you're playing in a supers game and you're like, yeah, Superman obviously has a strength much higher than the human standard. So you should be able to raise it much higher. Mm -hmm. And the game starts with a couple of very, very uh, minor suggestions about how many points to start with. It's usually somewhere between 100 for like a normal campaign about normal humans. Oh yeah, that would be like, I'm a guy. I'm I'm not a protagonist. I'm just a dude you met. 175 for like a low-powered hero, or not hero, but just... Like adve- a low-powered game, yeah, like an adventuring game. Uh, notably, I noticed in a, I, I downloaded an online character builder at one point and saw that like the template to make your character into a starting bard was two hundred and fifty points. Yeah, generally two hundred and fifty is the you are making a you know usual protagonist level where you're like yeah. you should be considered competent in at least a few fields, very good in whatever you focus in. You should feel heroic so 250 is basically the this is how many points to make a heroic character and that's a bard with nothing on it like that's not you don't you didn't take any kind of uh interesting quirks from other bards or like a species modifier or something you are playing a generic human bard with normal stats none of them above like 14 uh and that's 250 points is the uh, the estimation so the fact that the book continually is like hey Assume that you might be playing a 150 to 200 point game. I'm like, are you kidding? Especially given that this book doesn't have a narrow focus to it. When you start reading, you're like, okay, there are 460 fucking advantages in here. Uh, Almost equal number of disadvantages, 275 skills. And how am I supposed to do that when most skills cost bare minimum at least two points each? And all the advantages cost all kinds of things. And every part of your character costs more points. And the answer is you're supposed to wipe about three quarters of the book out of the way. Yeah. And build with what's left. The fact that 4th edition was like, oh, in the intro, they're even like, well, all of these people kept telling us, hey, you made all these supplements, but I can't get my hands on this one or that one. And there's certain rules you put in only certain supplements and there's no way I could get them. So we thought, why don't we jam everything into one book for ease of use? I'm like, no, you gave analysis paralysis yes. to anyone who looks at this. Yeah, no, in, instead of fixing things, to my to my knowledge, just made things far worse. And we'll get into it when we get to, like, skills, th- that section, but they didn't think, they weren't especially discriminating or thoughtful when they decided to cram in a bunch of other supplements because they ended up with a lot of unnecessary duplication. Yeah, and again, this is, as said before, what I assume is the GURPS for people who already played GURPS. Yeah. So when you went in, you were like, oh, I already know what I do or need to make a character. Yeah. The fact that there's 275 skills doesn't daunt me because I know that, like, seven I'm going to buy. So the way the stats work, as we mentioned, this game's a 3d6 roll under. If you're just making a basic, say, for example, dexterity check, you're starting dexterity for an average human is 10. You roll under 10 on 3d6 to succeed. Slightly less than a 50% chance. Yeah. Now, most of the time, you will never check against just a stat. No, you're going to check against skills instead. And uh, we'll explain skills when we get there. But normally, the game gives you a pretty clear breakdown of of the bell curve of your likelihood of success. You know, you're rolling under a 14, you probably have something around a 65 to 75% chance to succeed, and and so on. There are critical successes and critical failures. I believe they're twos and threes. and Threes uh, and fours, because you're rolling 3d6. Oh, th- sorry, yes, threes and fours, and 17s and 18s. Yes. 
You know, I was thinking about you know, the two you can roll on 3d6. If yeah. one of the dice comes up blank or goes off oh, the yeah, table. You, I'm rolling one of those dice from uh, Betrayal at House on the Hill that has a zero, one, or two on it. Well, one of my dice is made out of exotic matter, and it may or may not exist by the time the roll is done. <laughs> my die only exists if I observe it, so uh-huh. if I roll and don't look at it, I could get a two. I got that Heisenberg's uncertainty, D6. <laughs> I throw all my dice at slots, and if I look at the slots, it happens differently. <laughs> Roll 46, drop non-existing. Uh, okay, so... When you get your stats, that will also inform a bunch of secondary uh, characteristics that yes. you have. Mm-hmm. So you'll get you know a bunch of stuff like how much damage you do baseline. Uh, all the weapons and various things you can get if they are strength-based, so like not a gun, because a gun will just do the damage it does. Yes. Uh, if you use a weapon, it will modify whatever your base damage is, depending on if it is a thrusting or swinging weapon. Yes, and thrusting includes things like punches, and swinging includes things... Oh, it also includes a bunch of other stuff, but swinging weirdly is mostly swords and slicing actions. Well, yeah, because they're like, oh, if you're thrusting, it's basically a stab or whatever, but if you're swinging, you have... You know, using a lever to gain more power on what you are doing, so it does more damage. Yes. So usually you'll have a base idea, you know, a normal human will do a thrust that's one die, Mm -hmm. because everything is just based on D6s. So one die, a D6, minus two, uh, and your swing would be one die. Yeah. And then if you had a weapon that said like, oh, this does, you know, an extra die of damage or plus three damage Mm -hmm. you would just add that on to whatever you had for your strength yes yeah uh there are a bunch of other substats as well your hit points are just equivalent to uh, keep in mind all of these are variable for different amounts of point costing your starting hit points are equivalent to your starting health value uh but you can buy or reduce that Uh, you have hit points equal to your strength oh sorry strength value but you can buy or reduce that you think it'd be equal to your health value right like health hit points it just sounds right yep everyone ever that I have ever met that looks at GURPS for the first time is like, health, that should be my hit points, and what changes that? No, not at all. I don't know why you would think that health and hit points would be at all tied. (laughs) Uh, You can buy and lower that if you want to. It does have a suggested maximum or minimum to drop it up or down to based on if it's a serious campaign or like a non-exotic campaign. Willpower... Uh, and perception are both equivalent to your IQ starting, but they can both be raised and lowered. Uh, willpower is your ability to resist mental commands and th- that sort of thing. Perception is is what it says on the tin. Uh, and then you also have fatigue points, which are a thing you can spend to activate certain complicated abilities or spend to cast spells, there are, or they can be drained away from you to kind of stun you or, or drop you into fatigue. Yeah, the they fatigue are also, points are based on health. They're based on your health. So the other thing about GURPS is Everything is modular. So Uh instead of being like, oh, if you want to raise a secondary characteristic in most games, you're like, oh, well, you need to raise the stat that it's based on. So if you're like, oh, my basic lifting secondary characteristic is uh, your strength times your strength divided by five. Mm -hmm. Great. But then if you want to... For everything, you can just spend points to raise or lower. If you're like, I want my willpower to be higher. All right, yeah. spend some points on it. You don't need to raise your IQ. You can just raise your will. Hell, you can even raise your str- your uh, lifting strength without raising your overall strength. That's one of the advantages is enhanced lifting. Exactly. So there's just always a way to do it. You get uh, 
basic speed and basic move. Mm -hmm. Speed being reaction speed, move being your movement. Yes, and basic speed is one of the weird ones in that every other thing in the game uses the rounding system that's disadvantageous to the player, where basic speed doesn't use any rounding system at all. It's equivalent to your, I believe, dexterity plus health divided by four? Uh, yep, and then you do not round off. Yep. So you you will have, you know, possibly something in the, like, 0.25 variable range. Yep. But when you buy more basic speed, you buy it per 0.25. Yes. So it's <laughs> it's weird that everything is like, no, never do it. You always round it. Put it down. No, never point numbers, except for this stat, which is based around having a point on it. For right. God's sake, don't round. What are you crazy? <laughs> I, I'm like, man, this is the fourth edition. Figure it out. Yeah. There's also a bunch of stuff here that's basically just advantages and disadvantages, but they've lumped them into general character creation instead before the advantages section starts. And pretty quickly, you recognize, oh, these are just advantages in the wrong part of the book because they kind of sort of pertain to character creation. So you launch right into it with like appearance. Are you good looking? Well, if you're hideous, it's a minus 25 point disadvantage. But if you're transcendently beautiful, it's a 25 point positive advantage. Uh, all of those just control reaction modifiers because this game has old school D&D style reaction adjustments for everyone you happen to come across. Yeah, this is there is so much in this game in your advantages and disadvantages and various skills and things like that that affect reaction roles. Mm -hmm. And for someone who normally reads and plays modern games the entire idea of you see an npc and i don't know how he reacts and i roll a d20 and see or in this case 3d6 is so wild to be like really you wouldn't use i don't know context clues or the way a character is in your mind. It's definitely a, a holdover. It's interesting to read books like this or Palladium books, for example, where you still see these holdovers from the dark ages of TSR D&D that are still in here that where, where D&D has managed to somehow, I, I hate to credit D&D for anything, but evolve a little bit as a brand here and move away from things like random reaction roles, except if you really want them and dig them up from some obscure subtable. Here they're like a dominant play feature still. Uh, oh, yeah. And uh, and everything messes with them. It's just like how in Palladium, you're always stunned to see that it's still 3D6 down the line. No adjustments, no drop lows. Yeah. You're just like, what the fuck? Are you serious? Is this? Who does that? <laughs> Both of them do the thing. And here you'll see it in the skill section. In Palladium, you see it all over the place that confuses randomization for verisimilitude or realistic play. Yeah. Where they go like, oh, well... It's more realistic if you have no idea how people might react to you if they meet you. What if they have a wild swing of reaction and act like you're a crazy person the moment they see you? Yeah, what if I walk into a store and then the short, the shop owner is immediately like, I hate you and want to kill you. Here's my shotgun. You're like, I don't, I don't, personally, I don't generally tend to conflate st statistical anomalies with realism. Yeah. <laughs> uh. But, you know, games like this, that's what they want. Uh, so lots of reaction rolls. I will give them credit. All of this beauty section does specifically credit you or say that it all works on like the sex or genders that would be attracted to you. Yeah. If I someone, will say yeah. this as well. Another section in here that, which is just advantages or disadvantages is your build and 
you can be very fat and transcendently beautiful in this game. Yeah, and I'm like, good job. You did it. <laughs> you didn't just equate being fat with being ugly. Boy, that build section is when you first start kind of really cross-eyeing when you're reading this. Because it's like, oh, by the way, if you're playing a non-humanoid form, you're going to want to measure your single longest dimension. And you treat that as height for the purposes of determining your Oh, yeah, for quality. the size modifiers. Yeah. <laughs> if you're like, all right, well, I can get gigantism as a thing. But gigantism is based on the race that I'm playing, so I can have gigantism and be seven foot tall as a human, because that would make me gigantic. But if I was already playing a giant, then seven feet tall wouldn't be gigantic, so I'd have to measure the normal size for my species and then use that to... Can I say, by the way, I, I sort of hate it, the gigantism in this is just you're bigger than people, and dwarfism is you're a dwarf, like you're a chondroplastic dwarf. Yep. <laughs> Also, dwarfism, 15-point disadvantage. Gigantism, zero points. You can just be huge if you want. Yeah, yes. Because <laughs> there's a couple, when you get into the advantages and disadvantages section, there's a couple of pushes towards, like, real-world things that feel very out of place. Yeah. Like, I get it. They're being very inclusive, and you can play anything you want, but when, when they get into stuff like, oh, you're manic-depressive, and you can tell the author doesn't know what that is. <laughs> We're going to try our best to simulate that with other disadvantages. Yeah, or I don't know, you've got sickle cell anemia, you're quadriplegic, that kind of thing, where, I mean, I, I, get, I guess I get the idea, like, if you really did want to play a quadriplegic character, but it feels to me like it's mostly there for people to wildly take advantage of the fact that it's an 80-point disadvantage and build, like, even more Professor x -y or Professor X's. Yeah, I mean, the big thing for GURPS is, Oh, you can build anything in this. Yes. And when I say anything, I mean literally anything. Yeah, including some things that I, I, I don't I don't I don't know what the term I want to look for is here. Like maybe maybe don't go digging around in the DSM for ideas, you know? <laughs> uh well. <laughs> uh okay. Uh, then yeah, we're not even done with that character creation section yet, but basically it's a bunch of advantages and disadvantages that you can purchase for things like I don't know, uh, law, legal rank, sta uh, sta citizen status, literacy, wealth, uh, privilege, special privileges you may or may not have, what your base homeworld's gravity is, yeah, stuff now, like that. A lot of the social stuff, so like your rank or your culture or things like that, uh, is also based around another very core concept for GURPS, which is the tech level. Ah, yes. Definitely got to do that one. Every world that you would play in has mm -hmm. a tech level, and it breaks down the tech levels for like, oh, modern day for us would be like tech level eight. Yes. And then if you went, you know, the further back in time, the lower the tech is, the lower the tech level. Uh-huh. And it also is like, yeah, you can have a general tech level for a world, but you can also have either nations or individuals or various things that are either above or below that tech level. So if you want to say like, oh, I'm doing like a Victorian era mm -hmm. thing and we're doing like tech level six, but I'm a mad scientist and I'm doing tech level nine, that's allowed. Yes, absolutely. We're similarly right now, we can say that we're in tech level eight, which roughly translates to the digital age. But, you know, the, the people living on, in, on, uh, the, on Sentinel Island in the Andaman Oceans, they're probably not that. No. They're an uncontacted tribe. They, they, uh, they're probably somewhere in the, the, the Stone to Bronze Age. Yeah. Uh, so, so they're tech level like one or two. So, so there you have it. They're, they're, you can build, you can, and you can build your character to 
like John was saying, as an advantage or disadvantage, be above or below the current tech level. It's more expensive to be above than below because it's you get more bonuses for being above than below and less penalties. But you, there are still penalties. If you're tech level nine, like you're some sort of uh, you know, microtech age super doctor, and you go back to tech level five, the industrial revolution, and you're like, I'm going to help sol- save this patient. Where's my micro scalpel and hollow simulator? Yeah, and they're like, ah, here's a bone saw and some cloth. And you're like, <laughs> oh no, I fucked up. Here's a bottle of cheap brown liquor and a match. I <laughs> Shit. set this man on fire. <laughs> you're going to need to draw his humors. So there's still going to be some penalties one way or the other. Tech level is a, a, a neat mainstay. It's not as important in this book as I was expecting, based on having only read GURPS Discworld in the past. Yeah. The, I mean, the tech level thing, for the most part, is, again, just another thing that your GM, who, God, GMs for GURPS, I know, God the, bless them. The, the work that a GURPS GM has to put in in advance is wild. It's just one more thing where they're like, all right, I have to determine the tech level, because that's going to mostly determine what equipment is available because equipment will be like either you know this tech level and above or only within this tech level range yeah and you can also use it to yeah you can control an individual stores at an individual level you can be like yeah this uh this vcr repair store only has tech level seven stuff sorry fellas (laughs) oh no <laughs> I don't remember if tech level seven. It's the nuclear age. It would be from 1940 to 1980. It would be amazing if it had VCRs. Yeah. It'd be like the most cutting edge thing in there. It'd be like, ooh, welcome to my store. Have you seen the future of technology? <laughs> Please go through the beaded curtain to see the room that has the world's first laser disc. <laughs> yes, I can understand you. I'm Leonard Nimoy. <laughs> you mean I can study the great works of the masters? <laughs> Uh, anyway, so all of that is sort of a background thing that you will know before making your character, probably. Uh, and once you've set sort of the world and the timeline and, you know, whether or not certain factions are there so you can have a rank, like, oh, do you have societal rank? Like, does this society have an aristocracy or... If it doesn't, then generally the only way you get a rank score is by being rich. Yes. So in, say, a modern day setting, you'd be like, oh, the only way you get rank is by being wealthy. Yeah. Then you get automatic rank score because there's no, like, nobility to be. Yeah. So after this kind of introduction section, which is just a short list of advantages and disadvantages, we get into a long list of advantages and disadvantages. Yeah, then we get into (laughs) all the advantages and disadvantages. Including those ones again. Uh, but basically anything you could possibly think of that might be a power from a game that isn't psionic or a spell, because those are their own sections, uh, is all listed in one, well, I guess psionic powers technically are, because they're more just riders you attach to individual advantages you took otherwise. Yeah, whereas spells are basically skills that do magic. Yes. So, uh, it's just an endless, I, I gotta be honest, this is a hard thing to read in two weeks, and, and, uh, well, we did our best, we've made several characters in GURPS at this point, uh, it's the kind of thing where if you're trying to read it page to page, you will give up. Oh, yeah. There's... Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. 
Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. If you don't already know what you want, if you're like, oh, I'm going to make, you know, Wolverine. All right, I need to go look for, can I get claws? Can I get regeneration? Yeah. Can I get the like ability to be a berserker? Can I get the bloodlust uh, disadvantage? Mm-hmm. If you already have in mind the kinds of advantages and disadvantages you want, mm-hmm. then just going to the list in the back and looking to see if it exists, Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. But if you're like, huh, I don't really know what I want to play. Let's look through the book. You're going to get 30 pages into the advantages and go, I don't care, I don't care, I don't care, I don't care. And then I'm just start still flipping. in the bees. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> Not the bees. <laughs> like, all right, well, I've been reading for about an hour, and I guess I could have discriminatory taste. <laughs> God, fuck this game. <laughs> Yeah, there there are so there's so many that it's not really worth going into except for ones that are outliers or interesting in some way. And here's the thing, most of them aren't because this game is very I mean, far be it, I I don't want to d- d- uh deny credit where it's due. This is balanced for the most part. Like, yes, I know people are going to tell me that you can build absolutely insane ridiculous things by combining various books and getting uh percentage reducers out of limitations and so on and build a, a cannon that destroys the sun 100% of the time, but you can only use it on Thursday, so it costs 2 points. Uh, but but uh individual powers against each other seem very fair, very balanced. It's You'll never read a game where something like Cyclops's eye lasers comes off as so boring. Yeah. Because it's just innate attack, projection, energy, disp- or, uh, bl- projectile type damage. Yeah, given... Weirdly, they put a bunch of stuff from things like GURPS martial arts and yes. supers and fantasy and stuff in this book. But then they also made fourth edition versions of GURPS yeah. supers and GURPS martial arts <laughs> and GURPS fantasy. And... In, like, the GURPS Supers 4E, there are ways to just make superpowers. Uh-huh. But if you want to do it in the base book right here, most things you would do are just going to be innate attacks. Because it's like, what is this? Do you have eye beams? That's an innate attack. Do you have a draining touch because you're rogue? That's an innate attack. Yes, it's an innate attack that does an affliction type. You'll, you'll combine it with an affliction and then add limitations about what kind of afflictions you could possibly add. You'll have to also add a vampiric health transfer mechanic to it, as well as some sort of power stealing. Uh, it One of the things that, that drove me the most nuts when I was trying to explain to other people how this game works is towards the very back of the book, there's a little section that's called like Metatrait Examples. Yes. And the Metatrait Examples are like, oh, would you like to play as, say, for example, Johnny Storm from the Fantastic Four? Well... Here's what you'll need to have the body of fire trait where your character has a body made of fire. Maybe it turns on and off briefly, you know, that kind of thing. And it is just these ridiculous giant lists of things and point values that is so hard to read and grok that you just you just kind of get sad instead of getting excited when you read your way through them. I, I don't know, maybe people who are big time GURPS fans don't get that. But like, here's the body of fire one. Here's the full part of the description that's kind of fluffy or flavorful. Your body is a living flame. If your flames are very hot, increase burning attack and DR. Okay, here we go. ST0, minus 100, plus 10 HP, 20. Burning attack, 1D, always on, minus 40% aura, plus 80% melee attack. Reach C, they're minus 30%. 6. Doesn't attack. Reach C, minus 30%. Doesn't breathe oxygen. Oxygen combustion, minus 50%. 10. DR10, limited. Heat fire, minus 40%. I am one third of the way through this. 
Yeah, it's, it's just math. It's a ton of stuff. The weird thing for me is if you're like, oh, I've got like mostly the elemental meta traits here are much less. I'm the human torch and much more. I'm a fire elemental because it's just you're always a fire elemental. I mean, yeah, you're just going to add the uh, the or remove the always on functionality from it and make the whole thing more expensive. To, to I be, mean, you'd yeah. also need to get rid of your strength is zero and a whole bunch of other stuff because this fair. assumes you are just a thing made I, of fire. I'm a fire. Yeah. So even then you get to the end and you're like, how much does it cost to be a dude made of fire? Six points. Huh. How much does it cost to be a guy made of ice? 99 points. Uh, yeah, I guess the whole limited function that you don't have a strength score and so on is a real strong point reduction. Yeah. there's. I mean, given that you lose 100 points being that you can't like interact with stuff because you have no strength and you're just made of fire, you have no manipulators. Yeah. Like, there's a ton of problems with that. But it means one of the problems I had with this... Again, on the GM side, God bless. If you're a GM that runs GURPS, you are a saint for dealing with this <laughs> if, game. If you're a GM who needs who, who, uh, who has who runs you, GURPS. GURPS, here's a list of phone numbers. And if you don't get help here, please get help yeah. somewhere. You don't, but have, it's, you don't have to say it out loud, but, but uh, here's a list of phone numbers. It's one of those things where I'm like, there's no good way to know what an encounter will be difficulty-wise based on points. Mm -hmm. Because this whole fire elemental body of fire thing costs six points, but you're also dealing with a thing that's like, oh, I don't really take much damage, and if you get near me, I burn you, and I can shoot fire, and I don't breathe or do anything, and I can fly. Mm -hmm. And it's all of this stuff, but you're like, that's six points. But a guy who's made of ice, and you're like, yeah, but I can just beat the shit out of the guy made out of ice. Mm -hmm. But he's 99 points to be that. Yeah. Unlike, say, a game that has a bestiary or, you know, even the very shittily done uh, challenge rating stuff of D&D. &D, like, yeah. At least gives you a base concept of what challenges my players. But yeah. a 200-point monster might be an absolute cakewalk for a party in GURPS or might completely murder them because be 200 points is wildly different. Yeah, like you could easily, to build a 200-point monster, you could easily just start with like, oh, I'm going to build nothing but its healing functionality and I'm going to give it the insubstantial ability so you can't damage it and even if you do, it immediately heals. It's like, what does this have? Oh, it has an innate attack that vampirically drains and stuns you and you can't hurt it and if you do, then you take damage and also, I gave it a bunch of disadvantages that don't matter. It, it's a 100-point monster. Yeah, yeah. I gave it the minus 75 points because it has one month to live because I assume you guys will kill it, so I don't care whether or not it lives another month. Yeah, there's there's definitely a thing here where I wish there was... I mean, I know that there is a whole other book for GM rules, but it feels, reading through this, I'm like, you almost need to have like a... GURPS bestiary book mm -hmm. because knowing what an appropriate amount of points or an appropriate level to put something at is very trial and error. I feel like the first few sessions, if you're with like a new group's, uh, GURPS group, you'd be like, I don't know how this is going to play out. <laughs> yes, you have no idea. Like That's very true. You're like, all right, well, I made goblins, and I 
think they should be fine? <laughs> well, in my game, goblins can destroy the sun. <laughs> I gave them can destroy the sun. It's a 300-point power, but then they have the disadvantage is a goblin, yeah. which is a 250-point disadvantage. Also a minus 10 for chauvinist. <laughs> The, these goblins can destroy the sun, but they wish you'd smile more. You'd be way prettier. <laughs> these goblins just are so mad that you're wearing headphones on the bus. <laughs> oh, goblins. There used to be public discourse in this country, says goblins. <laughs> says goblins. <laughs> Local goblin angry about people on their cell phones all the damn time. <laughs> Local goblin won't drink woke beer. <laughs> so the advantages and disadvantages are both, as we mentioned, uh, like either powers or things that'll give you a bonus or they'll detract from you or give you penalties and things. But they are also include a lot of like social role play stuff as well. Mm -hmm. So... In addition to stuff that's like, oh, you smell bad, so you get a minus two in reaction rolls, you also have stuff that's like, oh, you you are duty-bound to something. So, like, oh, you belong to, like, a gentleman's club, and you have a, a duty of being a gentleman, and yeah. so you must act in accordance with their rules. And, of course, the problem with that is that the, the, the disadvantage section has the problem of duplication. Where, I mean, there's also a duplication disadvantage, but there's, but where you'll see things like code of honor, code of conduct, compulsion, uh, duty, and so on, where all of them can be like, well, my character needs to be a hero. So I took code of honor, acts heroically, duty, must be a hero, Co uh, compulsion, will not kill. Well, there's also, I mean, just straight up in the book, there are two different things that are disadvantages that are duty and sense of duty. Yes. Those are different things. Yes. And, because uh, duty is a duty you have to a institution. A sense of duty is your own self-imposed sense of duty. Yeah, like there's a there's a part that says you can't take a disadvantage and an advantage just to cancel each other out if one of them is more expensive than the other to try and just get some free points or something. Um, but they never say anything about layering disadvantages that are effectively the same shit. Now, the book does have very much a... Uh, you should do this tone to it of in disadvantages. It's on your GM to tell you, yeah. you can only have X amount of points of disadvantages Yeah, because they know that if you can just layer five different things that all say I'm nice as a disadvantage, then you get way more points than you should have. If you're like, well, I'm charitable and I'm giving and I've got a sense of duty to the Red Cross and I've got... I'm like, gregarious and I'm outgoing. I'm chummy and gregarious. You're like, God damn it. Stop that. <laughs> yeah. There's also a bunch of advantages and disadvantages that for lack of a better term, I would say are silly uh, as opposed to a lot of them are just straightforward and baseline, but then you'll see some where there's either there's just weird outliers here and there. Like common sense is an advantage that you think, oh, okay, your character is very you know down to earth, common sensical. Oh, common sense is one of the big ones I wanted to talk about. Yeah. So thank you. Yeah, it's a bonus. You think it'd just be a bonus to like pragmatic skills and so on. What it is is instead. Whenever your GM thinks that your character is doing something stupid, they can demand that you make an IQ roll. Well, and you, they, they make, they make the a role. secret IQ roll for you. And if you pass the IQ roll, they tell you your character is doing something stupid. And, and I'm using verbatim language from the book. 
Yeah, it's, oh, if, and it's all caps. If the GM thinks you're being stupid, they'll make a secret roll and then go, huh, are you sure you don't want to think about that? I'm like, oh, really? Because normally GMs that would do that shit feel way more smug about just going, hmm, are you sure that's a good course of action? Yeah. Hmm. Now you got to pay 10 points for that bullshit smarm? No, thank you. Uh, also, something like the advantage of lightning calculator, which is literally you, the player, can use a calculator. Yeah, that was my next example, lightning calculator, of the things that are like, why is this here? <laughs> like, you would have figured this would just be a stat bonus or something, but instead it's like, you have permission to use your calculator if you must. Same thing with uh, photographic memory. Photographic memory is just... You may ask the DM or other players questions whenever you want, and yeah, they have to you, answer truthfully. you, the player, forgot something, yes. you can ask. And I'm like, that's baseline. If your character's smart enough that they remember shit, and I've said this a million times because I have a terrible memory. And this isn't the first time we've seen an eidetic memory yeah. thing show up that does this yes. rule. Yeah. So but I'm it, not gonna I'm not gonna belabor the point because you've probably if you've listened to the show for a while, you've heard me make this point before that bad memories are just a real world fact of life. And there's no reason your character needs to be punished because you have one. Yeah. I'm like, look, I have a disadvantage. The character should. Exactly. <laughs> um, another one, I forget which one it was specifically. It was trickster or something like that. Uh huh. That had a, it's the only one I could find in the game that says, if you do not operate by this, uh, it, during every turn of the uh, of the game, when you can, the a, a GM is supposed to take the power away from you and tell you why. Yeah. There's, there are several things in this book that are, especially in the role-playing ones. Yeah. So if you're like, oh, I have either, you know, duty or a sense of duty or whatever. And they're like, yeah, if you decide to not role-play that, if you're like, oh, my guy's got, you know, some sort of bloodlust or whatever, but I never act like I have bloodlust or I'm unfazable, but that I act it. like I'm phased. Unfazable was an advantage and it was exactly the one I was trying to remember. Yeah. But these are all things where it then goes on to say, like, oh, if you don't roleplay that, the GM should take it away from you. And I go, maybe don't put roleplay prompts as points you buy. Yeah, uh, except Unfazable has a problem in that the way it's written, it says, like, if you ever act surprised or anything like that in regard to anything that's happening, the, the uh, GM is encouraged to take this power away. And they mean you, not your character. So if you're like, oh, a cool surprise just happened, gasp. Anyway, my character says, I don't care about that. I don't care about anything. <laughs> you're still going to lose the power because you weren't acting cool. Uh, it's weird. Anyway, let's get to um, skills. Skills. 275 I, skills. I mean, there's not much to talk about in skills beyond the dumb ones. The, the way they work is uh, because the game already has a stat value that's pretty close to what you'd need to want. You'd want for a bell curve roll under uh, skills work by saying, here's the point cost to purchase your stat as a skill value, and then the further you go up or down from that, that point cost will increase or decrease. Yeah, so now, let's, the each of them are based on a stat uh-huh. uh, or a secondary characteristic. Yeah, like some is will. Yeah, some are will or perception. Yeah. But they also have a difficulty of it, and so it'll go from easy to very hard. Uh-huh. And all of them are, you know, you can pay one point and then or two points, or four points, or eight points, and it goes on for how many pluses to the starting area it is. Yeah. But an easy skill is like, oh, when you buy this, one point gets you your stat value in the skill. Yes. You start at stat plus zero. If it's very hard, you start 
at minus three, minus three yeah. for your stat. So if you've got a 10, you buy just one point to get a very hard skill, you're rolling a seven or under. Yeah, so a, uh, a good example of that would be computer hacking, which is an IQ very hard. So to explain how this works, you'd say, okay, I want to be a computer hacker, and my IQ for my character is a 15. So, so I am purchasing computer hacking, and I'm putting one point into it. Great, you get a 12. You have to roll under a 12 every time you would like to use the skill. Uh, that's setting aside any kind of situational advantages or modifiers that may spring up. Your baseline is under a 12. If you spend eight points, you can have it at your your uh, very hard. I'm, I'm trying to remember the matrix. That might be incorrect. But I think it's eight points to get it at your skill level, at which point you can computer hack at your IQ or intelligence level, which would be a 15 or lower on 3d6. Yeah. Now, there is... One thing I always like to talk about, because it happens a lot in these books, and it's weird that it happens so often and that it's so specific, and that is that the book uses as an example of uh, mundane skill usage, uh, airline piloting. Yeah, because they're like, oh, if you're a pilot and most people aren't like ridiculously smart or dexterous, and even Mm -hmm. if you are fairly smart or dexterous, if you're like, all right, I've got like a 12 dexterity. I'm above piloting. average. Yeah. And then, you know, I've done this for a while. I've put some points into piloting. I'm pretty good at it. I've got like a 14 in pilots. That's still a 74% chance. That's that's too often for failures to happen for your average airline pilot because airlines are fairly reliable and they, they're well aware of that. They're like, yeah, if you are doing a thing that normally you would succeed on because you aren't under pressure because... You're not like, oh, there's you're being harried or something's yeah. crazy. You're just doing a baseline normal thing. Either don't roll, mm-hmm. which is the correct option. The only option it should be. Or you get a plus four to your skill if it's just a average everyday usage. So what it. this creates is a situation where they describe a pilot who has a base pilot skill of 13. And they say, that's crazy. That, get, that pilot would crash way too often. But it's a mundane job for them. So instead... We're gonna, they get the plus four. Now they only have to roll us uh, under a 17. That gives them a 98% chance of success. See, it works perfectly. And I'm like, no, it doesn't, bitch. If you tell me that an airplane has a one in 50 chance of crashing, I'm not getting on that airplane. No one is. Yeah. And the problem is you look at it and you go to piloting and yeah. initially it goes like, oh, well, normally just a failure would be like, oh, there's maybe a fuel leak or something's wrong. It's not necessarily a crash. And you'd go, oh, okay, well, I guess it's not one in 50 crashes. It's it's one in 50 has some sort of problem. All right, I get that. Except yeah. this game has critical failures. It has critical failures. And the pilot skill in specific and in particular states that any roll of a 17 or 18 is automatically a crash. Now, since the only way you can fail if you were rolling a seven or under a 17 is to roll a 17 or 18, that means that your average airline pilot has a 1 in 50 chance of crashing their airliner every time they do it. And they make that roll on takeoff and landing. Yep. What are you talking about? That's right. <laughs> every time you fly, because you have to roll for takeoff and landing, it's basically a 1 in 25 chance that that plane is going down. Uh-huh. So... It's just one of those things, again, we mentioned this earlier, and I really think it's an important point to drive home. There is a strong difference between random number generation and realism. Unless you're trying to recreate, like, the ironic video, then then working a, a slight chance of plane crashes into your system probably isn't important in situations that are mundane. Yeah. If you're in an airline and it's flying you to Poughkeepsie or whatever... 
you could just say it gets there. Unless your story is about how the plane crashes, your plane probably shouldn't crash. <laughs> yeah, the, I mean, again, the saving grace of, yeah, it says don't roll if you shouldn't or don't want to. And that is correct. That's that They shouldn't have had the other example effectively. But then they immediately go on to be like, haha, but, yeah. JK, but what if? Yeah, what I was saying earlier is that this game has a lot of duplication in it, and it just feels unexamined. Like, they just crammed shit in here and didn't do the math and didn't care. Now, I do want to just go to a few more things for the skills. One is... Lots. Obviously, the ones that are just multiple skills, but they named them different things because they were in different supplements. Uh Uh-huh. So, there is... There's one page. There's five different ways to punch a guy. Because you can have brawling or boxing Mm -hmm. or karate... But in, unless you think karate is actually the Okinawan art, oh, goodness no. It's any way that you would punch someone in a, a sufficiently advanced manner, but not boxing, though. <laughs> yes, not the sweet science. <laughs> I, what happened there, and you can tell there's one page that, I, just by a, a trick of linguistic silliness, because it's alphabetically organized, just happens to be like five very Japanese things on a page that are all covered by something else. Yeah, you get judo, karate, Kusari and Kiai. I think Ei Jutsu is also in there, unless that's a function of Kiai. <laughs> but but yeah, it's just what's judo? Well, judo's wrestling. Is there a wrestling skill? Yes. So is this describing the Japanese martial art judo with a stronger emphasis on throws and joint locks or something? No. The first sentence of the judo skill is use this for any kind of wrestling. You know, no. except for wrestling, which is its own skill. <laughs> also. This is the only skill that has a skill that undoes this skill. That's right, because there's another skill called Immovable Stance, which just allows you to uh, basically roll in advance and say, like, hey, I can't be moved. I'm the blob. No one can push me around. I'm 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 perfectly still. I ground myself. I am immune to judo. But are you a... It says judo more than once in that skill. Yeah, you can't be moved with judo throws or any judo moves. All right, but if I hurricane rana your ass, are you going down? Oh, for sure. Oh yeah, if you're a ring working high flyer, then yeah, you can put me on the you can put me right on the ground. <laughs> if, if the fucking undertaker wants to put me in a pile driver, I'm going down. <laughs> I'm immovable, but I'm not immune. Do you have a stunner at the ready? I will go down like Ric Flair. This baby's going on the rock bottom. <laughs> But judo throws no 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 go. That's no bueno. That's that's a no good. And literally, the first sentence of karate is used this to represent any unarmed combat, not just the ancient Okinawan martial art. You're like, what is it doing here then? Because brawl and unarmed combat and boxing are all also skills. Oh well, because this gives you a slight weird difference between them. That's like barely a thing to do. Because like brawling. And boxing is like, oh, boxing gives you a slightly better attack when you're doing an unarmed thing. Yeah. And the same thing with karate is like, oh, this gives you slightly better unarmed uh, attack and kicks. Yes. But all of them are like, all right, but you have to do it at different uh, difficulties because brawling's easy. Anyone can brawl, but if you want to do karate, that's hard. Yeah. (laughs) It's just so unexamined because i mean sure you could argue that yeah there are actual differences between the karate and the brawling skills but i don't think they're there because they wanted those if they if they wanted karate to be strictly different from brawling they wouldn't start it with a sentence that says this is brawling (laughs) so 
Uh, to me, it just feels like it's pretty obvious that these are just holdovers from some GURPS martial arts supplement that happened to get crammed in here whole cloth. Yes. Uh, let's see. Oh, I do need to, of course, mention that this book has the skill erotic art, yes. which is how good at banging you are. Uh-huh. If you can throw down and get hot and nasty, then you need to put points into erotic art. <laughs> And no, that isn't drawing big titties on a cow. Mm -hmm. That's having sex. <laughs> there is drawing big titties on a, on a cow skill as well. But that's though. just artistry. Yeah. You have to choose which type, though. You have to choose between cow and dinosaur and demon. <laughs> I put big old honkers on a Dilophosaur. <laughs> that's crazy, man. I put big honkers on airplanes. <laughs> Weird. <laughs> so, uh... The, but again, the big problem is that this duplicate... Here's the problem with the duplication. You think, okay, well, maybe it is kind of neat that there's karate and there's brawling, and karate says it's brawling. Uh, and brawling does not say it's karate, but it effectively might as well be. Um, but you don't have the points for this. There's 275 of these fucking things. Oh, yeah. There's it no gets, way you have enough. It gets real bad for certain things like science. Yes. Because every science, you can't just be like, I'm a physicist. And I took physics as a skill. You're like, bitch, no, you didn't. You took physics and then one of the, like, 20 different subsets of physics. Yes. I think my favorite is hobbies. Oh, yeah. Hobbies is a skill that exists, but then doesn't because everything that is a hobby is something else. Yeah, because they're like, all right, do you want to take a hobby? This is sort of, sort of personal thing that you do on your own in your spare time. It can't be a game because there's a game skill. It can't be a sport because there's a sports skill. It can't be a combat sport because there's a combat sports skill. Can't be acting. There's an acting skill. Can't be reading. There's a literacy skill. Hey, are you trying to say that your knitting club is a hobby? No, you can sew. That's a skill. <laughs> yeah, you'd pick sew and then you choose the knitting subcategory of it. So it, it becomes increasingly difficult, vanishingly, one might say, as more and more supplements are added and there's nothing left for hobbyists to actually describe. Now, the, the one thing that the game gives you option-wise is... If your GM determines that they want a game where a scientist knows science and they don't give a fuck if like, oh, uh, this guy only does like botany, but he should know every type of botany. You're like, okay, great. Sure. You hey, can do that. You're a forensic ar uh, anthropologist, not a historical anthropologist. You should have a minus four on the other type of anthropology. <laughs> There's no way you know what that thing is. It's a, a, a potential ritual worship art object. Oh, shit. I God guess damn it. He's lucky this one time. <laughs> so they Pot shard. They offer what are called wild card skills, mm -hmm. and that is where you take a category and put an exclamation after it and just say it covers all of the stuff underneath it. So yeah, you can have science as a category if you want to be like, no, this is the sort of like, science fiction scientist who knows everything where they're like yeah yes i'm a chemist that also knows how to make a rocket i'm sure. professor hubert farnsworth yeah that's fine yeah then you can go ahead and get if your gm allows you the science skill and then you just use that for any time you would roll science yeah, same thing for like oh we don't want to worry about our fighter our warrior in this fantasy game being like well, you put points in a broadsword, but not short sword, mm -hmm. so you don't know what the hell that is. <laughs> Instead, you can just be like, I have melee weapon. Yeah. The skill. And the reason you put the exclamation point after it is because the points value is factorialized. Uh, so instead of, uh, instead of doubling it or something like that, you use the factorial notation calculation to figure out what you do. So if your melee weapon was five points, now it's five times four times three times two times one points. 
Uh, this is not true. I'm I'm no, I'm just being facetious. None of that is true. Yeah. <laughs> um. Then there's a big spell system. It's just skills, but they're spells. Yeah. All the really spells are like it. into categories. You'd be like, I know air spells. Yeah. But all of them are very much on a tree for like. Oh, well, you need to know the first spell in order to get the second spell. And then that spell splits off into two different things. You can get one of those. But they are all treated the same way as skills. They have uh, a difficulty for how hard they are. Although I think all of them are either hard and then a couple very hard. Yes. Uh, and then they're all based on IQ. But if you get the majory advantage, you can add your majory levels to your IQ as far as what level you learn them at. Yeah, and if you want to be a cleric instead of a mage, then you take the spiritual power type advantages instead. And There's uh, a tree of those that's the same as the mage tree, but they're about gods. Yeah. And uh, other than that, they take a certain amount of time to concentrate on. Uh-huh, and fatigue points, which you might have just mentioned. Yeah, no, just the time is concentration, so it might be like, oh, if I'm trying to banish something, it takes five seconds. Every round is a second, so this takes five rounds to cast uh or it might take two seconds or one second or whatever uh and then as long as you can maintain concentration on it and not do anything else in that time period it goes off and does whatever it says right psionics are mostly writers that apply to advantages uh some of the advantages specifically state that they probably should be psionic in nature, you know, telepathy, telekinesis, that sort of thing. They don't have to be though. If you have another reason for what perhaps you're just your character is accompanied at all times by invisible ghosts who pick stuff up for you. Like, you know, you got the Midichlorian brothers working for you or something. <laughs> That's right. Uh-huh. That, but uh it it's basically just a a modified way of examining uh how certain advantages come into the world. It is one of the last sections of the book before you get to the thing that I did not know about until uh, until I read this book, which is that there is a, a a default setting for GURPS. I had never heard of this. Yep. Apparently, it's based on some book called GURPS Infinite Worlds. Yeah, the, the whole base idea of this, the setting, uh, is that they want to try and use every part of the GURP. Uh-huh. And so uh, it is a dimension-hopping SWAT team. Yeah. And you get a group of characters that can be from any type of world, anywhere, and they all get together and go around and have adventures. And it's like, okay, the main, like, statted out NPCs that they give you are like, oh, here's a thief that can teleport and a Cthulhu professor and a robot and <laughs> yeah. a vampire. Yeah. There's a martial artist and, and yeah, just that sort of stuff. Uh, so there's people from all over time. It really, it, it's an interesting, I, it feels like it's designed to describe a story that existed, like a book or something, because of the point values. Like one of these guys costs 225 points. And that robot you mentioned a second ago costs 1,665 points. Oh yeah. And I'm like, I don't know if you can have a game where one character is eight times more expensive than the other one <laughs> and, and expect it to play fairly. It's, but again, it's one of those things where I'm like, yeah, you see 1,600 points. That's ridiculous. Be like, all right, but what does that get you? Uh, now, I mean, in the terms of this robot, it gets you a strength of 28 is what yes. it gets you. Yeah, but plus a bunch of like plasma cannons and missile launchers and junk. Yeah, it's mostly that because everything is based on point by, you're like, oh, I want an innate rocket launcher. Okay, well, stat out what a rocket launcher looks like and pay points for it. Yes. Because otherwise you would just buy it with money. 
Yeah, so so th- there's a real campaign here. I don't know if it's an original thing to GURPS or if it didn't exist until some supplement that I think was called GURPS Infinite Worlds. But if it, di- if it was that, then they put that supplement in here too. Yep. There's an index that I was I thought was worthy of note because I was kind of confused by how it operated because uh, I flipped to it and started using it without reading the forward to the index that's in here. <laughs> um, because I noticed, I was like, oh, well, I'm looking for some templates because there's character templates towards the back. Like if, I, if you'd like to be a vampire or a fairy or something like that. You well, just... yeah, there's species templates and then also like career templates. Yes. So if you want to be a detective, they're like, here's 100 points. It just gives you all of these various things. Don't worry about it. That way you don't have to go dig through all of our crap. Well, I was trying to find them. So I looked up template and it said templates 252. And I was like, perfect. Thank you. Also 461, 527 and 610. And then I checked, and the book is 340 pages. Yeah. The like, second book. What the fuck? It turns out the second book doesn't start over. It, yeah, it just keeps going. Yeah, the first page of the second book is uh, 341. <laughs> yeah, it's page 337 is the first page of book two. I mean, I guess that's a very useful thing, all things considered, if you're like, oh, I'm going to use this. This is the one index you need for both books. I get that. That's a neat idea, but boy, is it a surprise. It's weird, but it also, I'm like, but why would I need? There's going to be an index in the other book. Like I can't imagine they were like, "Nah, we printed index. it the first time." <laughs> There's gonna be the index in there, and then that's just gonna make it confusing. When again, you're looking in here, and if it's close, you're like, "Oh, I looked up a thing, and it says look on page 364." Wait a minute, is that this book or the next book? <laughs> I guess that's fair. Yeah, it's just a weird little foible of the thing. Yeah. And then it comes to the character sheet, and there you have it. Yeah, and unfortunately, that's as far in as we can really get to describing this game because everything else is contained in the how to do this book. Yeah, I mean, we could go over the combat light rules, mm-hmm. but you would need to pay extra for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's our new uh, new mechanic. If you want to hear how combat works in the game, give us a dollar. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'll say this: if you want us to go over to the other GURPS book and also review that, sure. Just know it's probably a lot of rules for, like, if you are on fire, you will take D3 damage per round, unless you take the maneuver of rolling. Yeah, I mean, if if this The rolling maneuver only exists sometimes. If this episode felt a little dry on detail, imagine what it would be like if you couldn't even make characters with the book. Yeah, So if it's all just rules for how to do it. Yeah, the jury's still out. I think we may end up doing the second book at some point, just to be thorough with our GURPS. But I don't think it'll be the next episode because I want to gauge audience reaction first. Yeah. So, I mean, I'll go ahead and say this. Combat is also a 3D6 rolling under a combat skill. There are a ton of different maneuvers you can do, but most of them boil down to moving, attacking, defending better, trying to get a better uh, bonus to hit, stuff like that. Uh Uh-huh. And it has one of the things that I usually hate in a game which is your defense is completely uncoupled from offense. Yeah, that's what So if bad. your defense score is very high, you're just impossible to hit regardless of how accurate anyone is. Yeah, no one can make that lower or anything. So so you're it's it's the big eye small mouth problem, the tri stat problem. Yeah, if you manage to get your like dodge skill up to a 16, you're like, "Ooh, baby, you ain't hitting me." Yeah. Unless I critically fail to dodge. Yep. Which wouldn't matter chance. what my score was. If yeah. I rolled a 17 or 18, I screwed up anyway. Yeah, so that's never fun. But are you ready to get into your favorites and least favorites? Of course I am. Well, then why don't we do it? 
Let's play the music that we always play before favorites and least favorites starts. Wait, <laughs> I'm getting into- <laughs> Oh my god, I want that sting to actually be the thing we do. Demonetize all the episodes. Immediately get a cease and desist. <laughs> I hope we get a cease and desist just for you shouting the the uh, saxophone part of the song. <laughs> you can't. You can't do that. That's me. That's my vocals. <laughs> Did you know that song was a cappella? Oh, yeah. Bobby McFerrin sang it. Who knew? <laughs> me. Okay. <laughs> and I'm a liar. <laughs> I knew and I'm lying. <laughs> What's your favorite thing about this game? Uh, I mean, the biggest thing for GURPS that it has going for it is its ability to build basically whatever you want Mm -hmm. if you spend enough points and dig through enough ditches and burn through the witches Mm -hmm. and slam in the back of my dragula provided you put enough points into erotic arts (laughs) you can do whatever yeah (laughs) yeah i have uh five points in erotic art but i have the limitation of back of dragula (laughs) yeah i i mean that is the biggest thing gerps has going for it you it does what it says on the tin. You can make whatever you want. Well, it is very good at making various things. Yes, you, it, it definitely. I, I'm pretty much just going to agree with you here um, and say that the thing best, that's best about this is the output of the character creation system is pretty universal. You can make whatever. You, if you have an idea, you can make it, <clears throat> which, you know, is impressive. A lot of games, if you have an idea, you cannot make that idea. Yeah. Here you absolutely can. I use this to build a dog. Now I'm not that's not our bonus content character. I did that for something else we're doing re- right now. Oh, spoilers. Um but but I use this to build a dog, just a dog. Uh and uh it came out just fine. Yeah, if you want to build a ghost, great. Mm-hmm. Do you want to build a robot? Great. A rock that came to life with, or that can that talks to the chef in Wet Hot American Summer? Go ahead. Do you want to make a tree? Not like a magical tree that does things, literally just an immobile tree. Yeah. Maybe you can do it with point by. Yeah, if you'd like to make like a tree and leaf. <laughs> if you want to make like a tree and get out of here. <laughs> Damn it, Biff. <laughs> it's funnier though. Make like a tree and get out of here is much funnier. I'm on Biff's side in this situation. Like, useful as a screen door on a battleship. God bless you, Biff. That is also much funnier. (laughs) Biff, you are unintentionally great. That's the best kind of great. (laughs) Uh, The kind of funny where I can laugh at you. (laughs) Exactly. All right. uh, uh, Wait, hold on. Yeah, I agree with you. So what's your least favorite thing? Uh, Least favorite thing in here, if I narrow it way down. Which you would have to to play this game. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like probably the inclusion of erotic art, if I want to get as very specific as I can. <laughs> you don't think it's fun to have a fuck skill? <laughs> it's so unnecessary. Even the things where I'm like, yeah, it's dumb that there's brawling and boxing and karate and unarmed attack and, you know, all of these things. Yeah, that's bad. But at least there is an ever so slight difference between them. Mm-hmm. But being like, hey, how good are you at slamming it down horny style? I'm like, I don't need to know that. 
no one needs to know that. We have come across books in the past, usually more specific than this one, that have had skills for being good at sex. Like, you know, we did Book of Erotic Fantasy, and it had all this shit about how you can use your constitution score to calculate your duration in bed and your refractory period. And the whole time, it just feels like an empty exercise in making funny stories to talk about later where you're like, my character can bone for seven hours. Yeah, that's the type of thing that I'm like, yeah, as a 14-year-old, when you're playing a game and you're like, Haha, we should have a sex score so I know how good I am at banging the barmaids. Yeah. And then you grow up yeah. and go, oh, wait, no, that's terrible. That's the worst idea anyone's ever had. Yeah. Except this skill has been in here for 40 years. <laughs> we don't know that for sure. It might have been in some dumb supplement they added to this book specifically, <laughs> in which case it had only been in here for nearly 20 years. I mean, if it was in a supplement that got added in here, it would be a supplement that existed before 4th edition. Yeah, it came out one month before 4th edition. <laughs> That's why it came in here, because it was easy to add. They already had the files. <laughs> what I'm saying is, if you made a game and then 20 years later were like, let's refine that, this would not be how I did it. <laughs> If I did it by me. And how well I did it. <laughs> if I were to slam it down hardcore. <laughs> it is kind of puerile to have it in here. I mean, I, I, I imagine you could probably come up with a scenario. I mean, I, I, it takes all kinds. And if you're, if you're using this Look, to run your I'm furry fetish. I'm in a fetish- dimension hopping campaign. And when I go to Fuckburg and they need to know... If when I have a meeting with the mayor, how good I bone him is going to determine our diplomacy. Mm-hmm. Is life like a hurricane in, in Fuckburg, or, or uh, what are we doing here? I don't want to rule any of that out. If you are a... <laughs> If you are a 14-year-old and you want to know how good you are at fucking, GURPS is a game that'll tell you. <laughs> if you're if you're running this game as like your fanfiction gone wild RPG session with a group of like-minded fans and you want to know how good you are at, I don't know, fucking that ugly guy from Arcane, this game will tell you. <laughs> <sighs> That's right. I forgot his name again. That's right. I didn't finish watching that show. <laughs> So there you go. That's mine. What is your least favorite thing? Uh, the unnecessary duplication. The fact yeah. that there was no it, it, rhyme or reason given to whether or not they pruned any skills as they just poured more in here. Oh yeah, this was this was Jeff definite. This was definitely definitely. This <laughs> is definitely. <laughs> this was definitely a scenario of, hey, we got skills. Let's just put them in there. Should we? Nah, why not? Yeah. With, this is page count. Yes. Yeah, it's just too much. It's it's unexamined, and to me, that smacks of compromise and laziness, which I don't need. This whole for... thing smacks of gender. Yeah. <laughs> Flip the table. I mean, it's the problem. Of course, the game probably should smack of a little bit of compromise and laziness because it's a legacy product kept largely alive as a rounding error on the accounting of Munchkin. Yeah, this exists because Steve Jackson likes it. Yeah. Yeah, and because Munchkin allows it. So you know, it's still. A product that I that is neat, and I'm glad it exists out there in the world. But uh, but yeah, it's definitely kind of unexamined and and way too long for my taste. Would you play it? Uh, I have. Here's the thing: I've played played Gerps. I've played Gerps in a few different things, and if someone came up to me and wanted me to play Gerps, Mm -hmm. I love that your scenarios always start like that. I. I don't know that I would be able to, is the thing. What if there's a pre-gen character for you? Eh, honestly, 
making a character in GURP sucks ass. It's it is real. I've done it twice awful. in the past two days, and I fucking hate it. It takes for goddamned ever, and it sucks. Yeah. And it's especially bad when, like, when I was making my character for our bonus content at patreon.com slash systemmastery at, at the $2 a month level, mm-hmm. uh, I didn't even have a, I wasn't like, ooh, I'm going to limit myself to whatever points. I just sort of made the character I wanted to make. Sure. It's so much worse when they go, you have 200 points, and then you have a concept in mind, and you're like, I don't know how I'm going to make that 200 points. I guess my concept doesn't work. Yeah. And that's the problem of, you can make anything in GURPS, maybe, if you're allowed to. It'll suck, though. It's pretty- <laughs> it's, you can make anything, but if your DM says you can't make it, then you can't. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, I might. I might do it. It's a maybe. Okay. It's a hard maybe for me. <laughs> We aren't sure if this top's going to stop spinning or not. <laughs> yeah, GURPS is a game that I don't hate to play, but I don't want to. Sure. So there you go. Mm-hmm. What about you? No. No, I, I played this in the past. I didn't really care for it then, and adding a shit more cruff to it doesn't make me want to play it more now. Um, generally speaking, if anyone pitched me a GURPS campaign, I would probably just produce a purpose-driven game designed to run that kind of thing and ask if we could use it instead. Yeah, generally speaking. That's how it would go. If they were like, we're going to use GURPS to play a mech game, I'd be like, here is Lancer. We're going to use GURPS to play, I don't know, a detective game. Here is a detective game. Uh, Because I... I'm one of those people who really likes reskinning. I do. I like to take a game and rebuild it to be about something else. It's something I derive personal pleasure from. But when it comes to reading a game, I prefer it to have a story. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Uh, I would not play this. I would almost invariably choose. Uh, there's even other Steve Jackson games I'd choose. Oh, we're going to play a wacky game. Here is Tune. <laughs> so, so, uh, so yeah, it's a no from me, dog. Great. All right. There you have it. Uh, we got a yes, or, or sorry, a hard baby, a, a, hard Mike, baby. a Mike's hard maybe. <laughs> That's right. I'm going out there giving you the hard maybe extreme flavor. <laughs> this black cherry hard maybe. They lost me when they discontinued the lime. <laughs> and then again, when I, when I had huge medical problems, <laughs> they lost me when I was no longer able to drink them. Yes. So, uh, so yeah. And by the, as John mentioned just a moment ago, if you would like to hear the characters that we made for this game in way too great of detail, please head over to patreon.com slash system mastery and support us at the $2 level, which unlocks our basic bonus content where we make characters in the games we just reviewed in system mastery and, uh, unlocks all of our episodes of all of our major shows ad free. There are other levels you can support us at as well. Uh, $4 unlocks all the star Wars bonus content stuff. 10 bucks will unlock two more shows, the monthly afterthought and the TV mastery, uh, where we are currently going through very special episodes of seventies, eighties and nineties TV. Mm-hmm. So, uh, just head on over to patreoncom slash system mastery, support us there. Or if you can't do that, we understand just rate and review wherever you happen to listen to the show. So more people can find us, especially rich people, <laughs> more rich people. Mm-hmm. We like you guys just as much. We just like their money more. <laughs> Yeah, I hate poor people's money. It's, uh, I don't want to take poor I people's money. I want money. them to have it. No, you keep it. Exactly. Ew, gross. Is that a silverfish on that money? <laughs> You've been chewing on that quarter? Get out of here. <laughs> oh, I'm just trying to extract essential nickels. <laughs> Hi, I'm essential nickels. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you again real soon. And until then, have a good one.